0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Guma, Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Jean-Pierre Ferstar from Protea Capital Management and Drigas Komrink from Capicraft. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thanks gentlemen for your time. Uh, just starting with macro, I mean, there's been uh, quite a significant rebound uh, in the markets. And of course, at uh, the JC, we took our cue from the Asian markets that were battered yesterday. Uh, Draga, starting with you, is this all bargain hunting?
1: Oh, well, it's, <clears throat> we're in a bear market. Um, I think we, uh, the selling was overdone, especially on the, on the U.S. Treasuries. The, you know, that treasury market just went parabolic the last month or so and um <clears throat> there was some um not cent- yeah central bank action there's something called um uh, uh swap facilities that the the Swedish national bank facilitates uh there was one last week of Wednesday, and basically that's just um global banks borrowing dollars from the Swedish national bank and the Swedish national bank swaps those with the Federal Reserve and it comes down to money printing um for all intents and purposes it's it's small there's been a few other actions so we and we we've seen a, a bit of a a clawback a clawback claw in the rhetoric from the Federal Reserve representatives uh, over the weekend um so um uh, you know some good excuses maybe okay. um to to get back into what is much higher yields now then we, what what we have the 10-year yield was yielding one percent a year ago now it's yielding 4.2 percent yeah and um so yeah and that you know flows through to to the rest of the markets if if that that is the asset that is uh you know all other markets are built on so if that does well it flows through to other markets
0: yeah um talking about finding any excuse um I think for the past two, three sessions, uh, the markets have kind of bought into the narrative that we could see a pivot coming out of the Fed soon, this year still, as soon as December. Are you buying into that narrative in any way, Jean-Pierre?
2: Uh, look, I, I don't have the best track record in terms of forecasting what central <laughs> bankers are going to do. They, they seem to surprise one. Um, and either by their, their competence or the incompetence, depending on your view about central bankers. Yeah. Um, so there is a view out there to say that they've gone so far so quickly that they need to pivot quite soon. But we, we're not yet seeing real pain. We're not seeing something break hmm. yet in markets. We almost had uh, had the, the pound and the, the long-term guilts break and take uh, UK pension funds with them, but that was averted. So until something breaks... I wouldn't be surprised if the Fed does keep on raising rates. Um, if something does break, which would be a surprise by its nature, because no one intends breaking anything, yeah. then we could see a pivot at the end of the year. But I think it's almost a, a 50-50 call. I don't have a strong view either side about whether we might see a pivot or not. It all depends on if something breaks.
1: Mm. And, and what is a pivot? You know, that's the definition of that is, yeah, you know, yeah. that's debatable. Is a pivot going, you know, going uh, back to QE? Is it? Um, yeah. you know, you know, reversing some of the interest rate decisions? I don't think so. Maybe just a pause or something uh, like that. Okay. <clears throat> That'll be sufficient for, for a short-term rally, but what after that? You know, we, the, the, there's already a, a lot of damage, I think, done um, to the world economy. And, you know, that will need to be reflected in asset prices going
0: forward. Mm, so maybe, yeah. Uh, okay, quite an interesting point you make there that maybe you shouldn't confuse a pivot to the Fed maybe being less... Hawkish. Uh Sticking with you, Drikas, um, we've seen how battered the US-Chinese stocks were yesterday. Um, would you be considering bargain hunting within those Chinese tech stocks right now?
1: <coughs> no. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> it, m- it might have a good bounce. yeah. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, China is the new Russia not because they're going to invade Taiwan I'm not you yeah, know <clears throat> making any predictions like that yet mm-hmm. um, but you know Russian equities for a long time even pre the invasion um, they traded at very low multiples I was sucked into you know those low multiples myself mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, uh, they I think Chinese equities uh, as you know that they already some of them do reflect that they need to reflect even lower valuations to then just discount the risk going forward. And what is the risk? It's not the risk of China invading Taiwan. It's not the, the risk of, you know, VIE structures disappearing. While those are the, I think, the risk of, that, of the probability of that is small. But it is the, not the risk, but the, um, the probability, the very high probability that um, high um, returns on capital, high margins will not be allowed by the common prosperity road that they've embarked on. Mm. So <clears throat> Tencent that earns very high returns on capital, you will see that diminished over the next few years as they expect more of these um, high-earning companies to basically distribute their wealth.
0: Drikas, uh, just sticking with you, that flat no, does it also <clears throat> filter through to NASPERS and process?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So Tencent um, basically will be expected to, to share the earnings in one way or another. Um, and, um, that doesn't mean the company is a dud. It just means that <clears throat> I, I think margins will be under pressure going forward uh, in one way or another. I'm not sure how this plays out. Um, and, and uh, unfortunately that, you know, yeah. uh, that goes through to process and ask that at some stage they will be biased, but uh, you know, I like to come in once the day settled and everybody has forgotten about them. You yeah. know, this is still big talking points. I don't like buying shares where, where there's too many people talking about them still.
0: Yeah. Um, just on that, JP, I mean, how do you. I feel like this is uh, quite a, a polarizing issue. Uh, there are two camps, uh, two distinct camps here. Just looking at those Chinese tech stocks, and I'm including NASPERS and Process in there. I mean, just when you're looking at the investment case, do you look at the pressure? Um, that they're feeling now from the policy uncertainty, um, the, the, the low growth that we are seeing? Or do you maybe kind of take a longer-term view on the expectation that at some point the economy will recover?
2: Yeah, it's a very difficult one because, as you say, it's polarizing, but it's polarizing because the politi- politics are so polarized. Yeah. And you've got the two pu- pu- geopolitical powers, the two poles, effectively in direct opposition to each other, the US and China. So, um, I mean, even semiconductor <clears throat> chips and iron being used effectively as geopolitical weapons. Yeah. So so it's a very difficult one where you can't just look at the company and the fundamentals of the company and the traditional analysis of, uh, you know, what's the earnings growth like? What are the returns like? What's the competitive position? Because you have a political system in China where that effectively doesn't matter. Uh, and that is the big risk. So. That is why I think a lot of bottom-up investors, myself included, find it quite difficult. On the one hand, you see value. Mm. You see companies that in the past have grown strongly, have good competitive positions. And on the other hand, you have the risk that politicians can change that by the stroke of a pen. Mm. And that is a very difficult environment. So I agree with Drikas that we, when you have this, you had it in Russia, you saw there what risks can happen from that. Um, in South Africa, we still own some NAS nice fashion process. So it hasn't been pleasant yesterday to see what happened there. Mm. We had sold all our U.S.-listed Chinese stocks. We had some concerns, but we still had some Hong Kong-listed shares, which also got hurt. So at the moment, I'm almost ready to throw in the towel, and maybe that will be the bottom <laughs> of the market when I do.
0: Oh, wait. Um, but I am very
2: concerned yeah. about the political situation and the impact there are on all companies that operate in China, including companies we're not really talking about, like Apple and Tesla. Yeah. They also have a significant exposure to China. So everyone's focused on the ones that have Chinese <laughs> names or few uh, listings in Hong Kong, or, the, or ADRs. But what about good old US companies like Apple and Tesla? So be careful. If something happens here, the repercussions uh, uh, can be quite severe.
0: Um, all right. So, uh, JP, we will be tracking your every move to kind of uh, try to figure out where the bottom <laughs> will be on those stocks. Um, just on that, actually, um, there's a question here on a TSMC. Um I would love to get your views on Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company and whether you see a recovery in the price anytime soon. It's nearly fifty percent down from its price in Jan 2022, but I based um, this on its financials. Well, but based on its financials, it does look like a good company <coughs> to invest from now to 2025. That's question mark. Your thoughts and views, please. Should I get in and dollar cost average from the next six to twelve months? TSMC, Triggers.
1: That's all, just short. Then. Maybe JP can just add to that and give his own opinion. But uh, um, TSMC is moving a lot of its manufacturing capability to the US. Um, and and that will help, you know, that decreases the risk going forward. And uh, secondly, is uh, it's not a TSMC issue, but there's a bit of a glutton semiconductors at the moment. That will pass, it's a very cyclical industry. Uh, so yeah, one time or another, you, you would need to invest in those. I'm not sure TSMC is the best one. I'm 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 not a. I haven't done my due diligence between the three. That's not the best tech. But maybe um, longer term, the better ones, those ones that that make better returns of capital, is actually the suppliers to the semiconductor uh, makers. And those are um, you know the lithography companies like ASML. You know that's um, that supplies the the, the equipment necessary to manufacture those. Maybe longer term, those will present better returns of capital. I'm not
0: sure. Mm. Um, Jean-Pierre, your position on TSMC and just the broader semiconductor chip industry at the moment?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, firstly, again, if you look at the company, TMSC, it looks great. Great competitive position, leading position in chip manufacturing, but you have this political overhang that impacts them and the whole of the semiconductor industry, especially the ones... The, the, the fabs, as they call the, the uh, factories that make chips based in Taiwan. Yeah. So it, it, it depends on how long they'll take to really open up more fabs in the U.S. And then I agree with Rikas that when I look at the semiconductor industry, uh, I don't want exposure to the companies that make the chips. I prefer exposure to the companies who make the machines who make the chips. Mm-hmm. And that includes... ASML, that includes a, a European company called BESI, B-E-S-I. Um, it, include, it includes KLA in the US, so I would rather buy those ones, because with with everyone rushing out of Taiwan and building new fabs in the US, they are going to buy more machines that make chips, so that is how I would prefer my exposure rather than the chip makers themselves. Mm, all right.
0: saw that um, in the top 40, MTN and Vodacom were actually leading the gains there. Uh, Jean-Pierre, was there anything significant that moved those stocks up today?
2: I didn't see anything today come out. I mean, we've had the issue with Telcom and MTN and MTN uh, saying they've walked away in some question marks in the first few days after that regarding what MTN's strategy will now be in, in fiber if they can't get their hands on OpenSurf. Yeah. And then all of a sudden today you had a reversal. So it must be seen in the context of both MTN and Vodacom being under pressure the last few weeks. And, um, and you know, you, you asked the question about bargain hunting at the beginning of the show. Quite often what you get if you have a number of negative days in the row. Just by virtue of that happening, you have some people saying, "Ah, this has gone too far, and you have a bit of a bounce every now and then, and it can be quite a sharp bounce after a, a lot of negative days in a row. And quite often, even that one positive day doesn't take you close to back to where you were before the bunch of negative days in the row. And that feels quite similar in the telco industry in South Africa.
0: Mm. Uh, just looking at that share price, it's really just been beaten down. Drikas, would you say that, you know, this would be a good time to get into, into MTN, especially now at a time where it, 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 it feels like they're waiting to get more corporate action done after this failed deal with telcom?
1: Yeah, I think FGN is a quintessential emerging market stock. So it, it really suffers, you know, when the emerging markets are under pressure because, um, it's, you know, one of its prim, two prime areas is in Ghana and in Nigeria, both of which, um, you know, have got, uh, currency problems at the moment. You just can't get currency out. And, um, that is a, a, a problem that will go away in the not too, a distant future for NTN shareholders and if it does I think the shares will re-rate again or NTN will re-rate again and um, uh, and all you know it's, it's about dollar liquidity and um, once dollar liquidity outside of the US remember there's two types of dollar liquidity it's dollar liquidity inside the US and then there's something called the euro dollar market and um the euro dollar market is is under pressure at the moment there's not a lot of liquidity going around um the banks don't trust each other. That's why they went to the Swift National Bank to get dollars there. And um and then, you know, uh the frontier markets like Nigeria just can't get get funds out. They, they they don't have dollars. So I think that's that's a lot to do with MPN's uh share price decrease over the last few weeks. And obviously um a lot of these companies you know, like Vodacom, they they're solid dividend players and the discount rate is going up. You know, the 10-year or the 15-year um, bond locally just touched 12 percent the day before yesterday or friday and um you know that's a pretty high discount rate for something that's 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 uh, supposed to be uh, a you know stock that normally you buy for a dividend yield um yeah just thinking about but but now again obviously isn't paying a lot of dividends at the moment
0: yeah um Jean-Pierre, I mean, you look at Vodacom, there's, I mean, there's been a lot of excitement around MTN, but really not much going on when it comes to Vodacom. So just looking also at the kind of pressure that Vodacom has seen, would this also be a good time to invest in Vodacom? Because it also seems like a thing of a high tide lifting all boats and then the opposite happening also on, on, on the other spectrum.
2: Yes, what the low tide drops all boats. Yes, shall we say yes, that. So, exactly. Yes, uh, Thank
0: you for that. Share price is <laughs> also being
2: under pressure. Pleasure. Yeah. In the background, it is also busy with its own uh, CVI transaction, um, uh, together with Remgro, to um, uh, to see what they can do there. So they've got their own fibre strategy, and uh, I, I agree with Vickers regarding the the main I- idea. The investment case of Vodacom is you're not going to see strong earnings growth but you are going to see almost all earnings being returned to you as a dividend. So it's a dividend stock. Uh And when you have interest rates rising, the present value of those future dividends go down. Uh And that is not good for a dividend paying stock. Um, So, so has been under pressure. uh, And if you look at mature telco businesses, mobile telco businesses around the world, they typically have a slow bleed. You can almost call them ice cubes. They they melt slowly. So over time, it looks like you're starting with a very high yield, but there's always some capex, some new technology, something comes out. And over time, your dividend normally gets cut rather than grows. Mm. So I'm quite cautious about a mature telco uh, company unless it can become a fintech company. Ah. Uh, and that's what Vodacom and some of the other telcos are trying to do. They're on that road, and that will determine their future. If they go the same way as some mature telcos in other mature markets that have not done well, or they can transform themselves into fintechs, and then they can grow their earnings and do well. So the jury is out on that.
0: And just quickly, uh, Drikas, uh, just on Telkom, I mean, is is has there been a pause in the excitement on that until the next corporate action move?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure another one is coming. Um, I didn't follow the, the corporate action or the, you know, didn't play that one, mm. but I'm, um, i won't be too sure another one is coming and that's what the, the share price basically is saying at the moment as well
0: yeah all right yeah and maybe we'll wait and see uh, uh, yeah if if they will maybe be coming out with a separate listing of swift uh, and all of the ones that they Yeah. You know, the, the problem
1: is the competition commission you know there's only so much players and we've got too little uh, an amount of players we need more players in the industry not less
0: yeah yeah all right i take your point there um there's a question specifically for you uh jp what do you think about the long-term prospects of uh, Novus Holdings um, with regards to the acquisition, the piercing uh, in a Pearson SA textbook business? Does it have the potential to become a long-term compounder if management can make future acquisitions of the same caliber?
2: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I used the analogy of an ice cube earlier. So the old Novus business was a typical ice cube, a printing business. And we know we are, you know around us, we have less newspapers being sold, so there's less, less print being done, less printing being done. So that was a slowly dying business. Mm. And what some new directors and a new anchor shell did very well, is to say, uh, let's use this cash we've we've got left, and let's change the business, let's transform it. And they went out and bought the, the Pearson education, printing, uh, or education content business, which fits very well, because now they can themselves print the educational books that will go to schools. Uh, I mean, if you look, think of the public sector, uh, they're not going to tablets anytime soon. I think we're still a far mm-hmm. way off before every, every child will have a tablet in their hand at school. So for the foreseeable future, um, I'm quite optimistic about Novis. It's still very cheap. Uh, if you go through the circular of the um, PSN acquisition, um, I think there's still an opportunity to buy some Novis shares. People still think of it as the old printing business, while it is going to be a new content business going forward. And then it's all about what they do then with the cash that the education business generates and the next capital allocation decisions they make. But at this starting price, I'm quite optimistic about Novus.
0: Yeah, we see that share price has been on quite a run recently. Um, Drikas, any thoughts on Novus Holdings?
2: Yeah,
1: we, we own some just a little bit late. You know, we've missed most of the party. And uh, yeah, I agree with John P. I, I would hope they distribute a lot of those cash if they, if they don't see any use for it. And uh, no, I do think management is of, the, is of the type of management that do distribute earnings. They've shown that they do if, if there isn't any, um, you know, uh, capital allocation decisions for them. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's still a buy at these levels.
0: Mm. Uh, talking about buys is TFG1. It came out with a really, really good uh, trading update there uh, today. Jean-Pierre?
2: It did look good and it was above expectations. I'm just a little bit cautious. If you look at the whole clothing market, hmm. it does seem like most growth has come from MA the last few years. And, and TFG has been the, 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 the uh, in pole position when it came to MA, especially when they bought Jet.
0: Yeah. Uh, and
2: they have a, a number of other uh, formats as well. They're backward integrated into the actual uh, cutting and trimming of the clothing in South Africa. So they've got a very good competitive position. But I wouldn't get too carried away because I do think the industry as a whole is quite is under pressure. But TFG is doing better than their competitors, driven by MFA, but uh, m a but still a very good uh, trading update from there.
0: I thought it was actually because, I mean, they achieved these good results, um, talking about a really, really challenging economic environment. And actually, just to note that their credit sales were actually less than their cash sales. And is that not what you want from a business like this, Trigas?
1: Yeah, well, I just don't like retailers in inside, you know, the, okay. the middle class is under pressure from all areas. Uh, we've had a, a few interest rate uh, increases, inflation is biting, you know, the, the discretionary spending will be under pressure and they s- sell semi-durable goods. And um, so, I'm, you know, the, the management are doing well in this environment. They've got, a, like John P. said, they've got a good competitive position in a very competitive industry, but unfortunately, the pie isn't growing. Right.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's get to the last part of the show, and that Hmm. is your stock picks today, gentlemen. Jean-Pierre, what will it be today?
2: Zenati, a stock listed in the U.S. called Builders First Source. It is the U.S.'s largest manufacturer and distributor of building products. And for those who know something about the U.S. housing market, most houses in the U.S. are built from wood, from timber, not bricks and mortar like we have in South Africa. So they manufacture a lot of trusses and poles and uh, plate uh, panels and all kinds of wood products for for house building. And the US market, the house building market, is actually under pressure. Um, The latest data shows there's a steep slowdown in house building, mostly because of interest rates going up, so mortgages are more expensive. But a lot of that is already in the price of a lot of companies, especially in a distributor like Builders First Source. It's trading at a price-earnings ratio of below four. So even if things slow down and their profits don't grow maybe for a year or two as we go through a housing slump, I do think that is in the price. And with a competitive position, I do think they'll come out of this stronger. And you're buying it already with a lot of bad news discounted in the price with a company that could come back as an even stronger company after a building recession that we'll probably see in the U.S.
0: All right. Well, uh, Trikas, what are you hanging your hat on today?
2: Yeah, something
1: of a, of a special situation. It's called, um, gem fields and gem fields, uh, basically at this price, you're paying for, uh, the debtors book, the net debtors book, net cash on the balance sheet. And, um, you're getting, yeah, and, and the small, um, uh, stake that it's got in a, in a, um, BGM miner. And, um, then the two main assets are ruby miners, the one of which sits in the north of Mozambique called Mon Montways is 25 per cent owned by the Mozambique um, government that got military on site um, and obviously the share price just came under pressure recently because, you know, a, a neighbouring ruby mine was raided by the insurgents, Um so you've got a big insurgent threat to one of their main assets but both of their ruby mines, both which are probably worth a few hundred million dollars in normal times when there's no insurgent threats um both which are with a few hundred million dollars you know um you're getting the for free at the moment so it's a free op- option on one um and basically the other mine uh always forget its name mm-hmm. but you're basically getting that one for free as well um so yeah this is something to look at
0: all right well thank you very much gentlemen for your time and for your analysis today uh thank you to my guests uh trikas komring and jean-pierre Ferster. And that's it from you for Stockwatch for tonight. Uh, Do stay watching Business Day TV.